0: In today's digital age, dolls might not be the flashiest toy on the market, but they still hold a place in the hearts of kids and adult collectors alike. Hi, I'm George Borarki, and this is Cityscape. On this week's show, we're pushing Barbie aside to focus on other dolls and their makers, including Robert Tonner, whose company developed what's said to be the world's first transgender doll.
1: Every once in a while, (laughs) we do something that kind of rocks our world, yeah.
0: This is the Jazz Jennings doll based on a real person.
1: Yes. But first,
0: a Bronx artist who celebrated for doll creations that are more Tim Burton than Walt Disney. Her name is Alba Garcia. In addition to making dolls, Alba is a stop-motion animator. We recently sat down with Alba in her studio at her Bronx home.
2: My name is Alba Garcia, and I am a director of uh, animation, and I focus on stop-motion or stop-frame animation, which is you take 24 pictures that equals a second, and that's how you create a whole film.
0: That's a very tedious process, isn't it?
2: <laughs> it's very tedious. It's time-consuming, and it's like living in a cave, because you cannot leave the this, this scene until it's final. And at least you have to have four seconds, and four seconds can be eight hours or five hours, depending on how complex it is, the shot, on how many characters you're animating.
0: How do you get anything else done in any given day when you have to wait that long just for one shot?
2: Well, my secret weapon is my husband. (laughs) Yeah, because I have to, well, we have to take care of the house. We have to take care of the child because we have a little girl. And we have to be a family. Where I am the creative person. I create the script. I, I create the, the designs and everything. My husband is the inventor. He likes to do animatronics. He, he likes to do computer stuff, uh, special effects and stuff like that. So we work together, and plus we have a great crew that help us uh, intermittently when we need to change a set. Uh, people from all over the world uh, that help us. Uh, we have an actor that came from England that works in different um, children 's uh, programs in in England, and he came to do reference movement for us for the sh- the whole film so that that is our backup we We have professionals helping us, and it's, we're not alone.
0: <laughs> you received a lot of acclaim for your film time Space Reflections. Tell us about that
2: well that film. Uh, was born uh, out of sadness and about uh, around uh, a moment that I lost one of my students and uh, my student was a she you know they are twins and she passed away in her sleep and I love these twins so much and i couldn 't i couldn 't i couldn 't grieve um, or I was grieving too much, so I decided to write you know when you 're an artist you decide to to let it out, either in a painting, but in my place was I, I needed to write something about it. I came up with this story of these two parallel universes, twins that lost their twin, and one of them, or both of them, opened a portal, and they see each other again. And that's, that's how it, the idea grew. And then I show it to... My, my friend, uh, Catherine, one of the twins, and she loved it, and she said, we have to do this. And we collaborated on this, and she, I think she was in Fordham University when uh, she was finishing. Or she, she's such a great professional. She actually is an artist, photography.
0: In addition to being an animator, you are a doll maker, right? What came first?
2: Okay, if I go back in time, I first started sculpting at age five, but I have my first exhibit in paintings at age 12. Then when I went to college, I went to fine arts and I started with <laughs> drama. So all these uh, components, as, an, as a director, I need to learn everything. Painting, design, script writing, acting. So I wouldn't, I think everything came at the time. I don't know, uh, I will say I started puppetry after school, after college. Everything started with puppetry because I couldn't, I didn't have the resources to make animation. I didn't have a studio. So uh, everything was focused on creating little stories and creating little puppets and then going to conventions. And then after that, Coraline happened, Paranorman happened, uh, which is two major stop motion films using the technique that we are using now, which is replacement of the faces. And then the event of my student passing uh, away happened after those two films. And my husband told me, Alba, that's a great story. Maybe you should animate it. And I was thinking, you know, it's been a while. The last time I animated was when I was in Celebrity Deathmatch. I was uh, an animator there in MTV. That was 1990. Woo! So... I decided. Well, let me do it. Let me see. Let me try it. And then we did a crowdfunding. People were interested. Fans were interested. They pay for all the faces. So, you know, that was the start of that.
0: So you said you started to sculpt when you were five years old. What were you sculpting at five years old?
2: Okay. Well, the teacher was asking us. Give, they they gave us clay, uh, plastilin, and it was such a one of the oldest gray gray or I think it was green clay. It wasn't even colors at that time. I'm 43 years old, so I'm that old. So the teacher said, they, they just she just gave gave you a little clump of, of of clay, and I decided to make a little piggy. And then when when the teacher uh, finished the class or something, it, the teacher asked a friend of mine to pick up the clay, and I was so excited about my little piggy that was perfect, perfect. Everybody was in awe. And my friend came to my uh, desk and squashed it, put it in the in the box that she was picking it up, and I cried like crazy <laughs> because it was my first sculpture, something I made, and it was perfect in my eyes. And from now on, then then I decided to do uh, um, painting because my mother could afford painting classes, and that's how I started with the art. Mm-hmm.
0: You are known for your fantasy dolls. You make goblins, you make yeah. trolls, you make witches too, right?
2: Yes, yes. I always like fantasy books Pierce Anthony, um, Arthur C. Clarke, uh, all the classics. But I like fantasy and science fiction together sometimes, and sometimes it's pure fantasy. And my husband is the same way too. We have a whole collection of books that are fantasy, science fiction. And this is what keeps us going, keeping the art fresh, because fantasy also evolves with the times. What we're living right now, what we are uh, looking in the future, what's going to happen in 50 years, 100 years, as a community, as a global community. So, so that fascinates me. Science fascinates me. How are we going to move forward? How are we going to get stuck? Are we going to survive?
0: What are your dolls typically made of?
2: They're made of polymer clay. Uh, super sculpted, they call it. Uh, it's a resin that is non-toxic, and you can put it in the oven for 250 uh, degrees for 12 uh, minutes, and it gets hard, and then you can sand it, you can prime it, you can paint it, you can add hair and stuff like that.
0: I understand that you name your doll creations. They all have names.
2: Yes. they. Well, I create a story and also create a name. and Well, you know, sometimes I do dollifications, which is... Somebody asked me to make a doll of the person for their Suicistein or uh, weddings, and I make the whole wedding that she's going to do, the same face of the person, everything, the same, What she's, how she's going to get her hair done for that day so she can put it in the table next, when she gets married. And that's something that people like very much to do, seeing themselves in a puppet form.
0: What are among your favorites the ones that you've created?
2: Well... I think I have it right here. It's that rat-like girl. Th- that's one of my favorites. And that one over there, I think is uh, in a, in a leather hosen, which is um, a pants that are German pants. It's kind of like a, a go- goblin. But those two are my favorite. <laughs> They're here in the studio accompanying me all the time. And I have, have more over there, too. I like to make elderly people.
0: Why is that?
2: Because um, I find them so relaxing. Be- I see beauty in wrinkles. I don't get crazy about my wrinkles. I love to see wrinkles because it shows the, um, the purity of time. Time is it's okay to, to, to grow old. It's okay to be wiser, and you have to be comfortable with that. I noticed that a lot of uh, media and stuff like that, they focus on, on being perfect. And we are not perfect, and imperfections are beautiful. So why not embracing them? Some of your
0: dolls are a little scary. Is that yeah. the intent?
2: <laughs> yes. Well, I like goth uh, style, and I like uh, horror fantasy as well. A person is not a person if you don't have a light and a dark side. And I like to focus on both because you have both. Uh, sometimes you get angry. and How is that is going to be represented in a doll? Uh, or sometimes you feel like you are so spiritual. How is that going to be representing a all? Doll? So dolls represent, in my view, emotions. And how to present it, it depends on the colors that I associate. Because people in, in Japan associate the, the same color. For example, red is success over there. Over here, red is anger. It depends on my realization, what I think as a person in born in Puerto Rico Raised in the Bronx, that you know, how do I see the world? It's totally different from a person that is in Mongolia or a person that is in in Australia.
0: Give me an example of a story that you created around one of your dolls.
2: Okay, usually those go into personalized books. I have a book that I create a doll and I create a little story. I had the story of a, a centaur girl that was a cartographer. Many And she created maps of her fantasy land. And she was, you know, that one is in a store in Manhattan that nobody hasn't picked up yet. But it's there. And I have, I make stories also on, based on some of the books that I read. I like the character so much I want to see it through. So I make it for fun. You're an artist, you have to make things for fun. But also I get commissions. And sometimes I just get so inspired that, I had this, you know, I went to a hike and I saw this place. I take a picture of that place and I want to create a character that will live in that place. So the inspiration can come from everywhere.
0: I understand that you're also inspired by real skulls. Is that true?
2: (laughs) Yes. I collect uh, real carcasses and skulls because that's, you know, mortality, I I like the theme of death as well because we're going to get there one day, <laughs> hopefully not soon. But I like to see especially insects. I have a, lot, a collection of insects uh, because I want to be able to see in three dimensions how it is the reality of an insect. So I can, if I want to create an insect-like monster, I know how the joints move. Uh, and and stuff like that. How the skull moves and stuff like that. So, I love science so much, especially biology, because I can understand kinetic movement, kinesiology.
0: What do you think of an old-fashioned classic Barbie?
2: Oh please! <laughs> no, my daughter is ten, and she never liked Barbies. She created her own dolls. She sculpted because she saw me. She wanted to create her own dolls. Yeah, and she likes some. It would be the Monster hide ones because those are different. They're more creative than Barbies. Barbies is not, it's not creative. It's just like no, <laughs> not a Barbie in this house. No. <laughs>
0: what would you say is the primary message that you're trying to get out there with your art?
2: I want to make uh, meaningful films. Films that change people's perception of a a theme, for example, that we are all different, but that doesn't mean that we are less. You you know, I struggle with dyslexia and dyscalculia. It's very difficult for me to write on typing. It's difficult. I cannot focus sometimes because the words are moving. And I still force myself and I create screenplays. But it's very hard, but I don't give up. That's the key. Yeah, I think that's it. I don't give up.
0: When you create a doll, what comes first, the story or the doll and then the story?
2: Well, hmm, that's a good question because sometimes when I read a book, I get inspired and then I buy the fabrics because I want to see the fabrics first. the, The fabrics and the colors and the textures of those help me. I buy also uh, hair, and I taint hair as well because it depends on how I... I uh, other times, I just drew, draw just the facial expression, and then I, I focus on that. Or sometimes I write something, a little poem, and that helps me develop the character. So I cannot... I don't have a, a process. It's just the inspiration comes in different ways in my, in my case. My husband is different. He creates a story first, and then he, de- he designs the, the rest. Or you, it's very mechanical. You can also give him a picture, and he will sculpt that picture in 3D or in, in, in clay. So it doesn't matter. He's so good. He's a master on that. He's very technical. I am more organic. I, I, can, I can my inspiration and everything... is very explosive. He is more structured.
0: You mentioned your former students who passed. Do you teach doll making?
2: Well, when I met them, they were in middle school. I was teaching animation at a middle school in the South Bronx, Prospect Avenue, 1919 Prospect Avenue. Never going to forget that. And uh, I taught there for two years, and I taught animation, basic animation, just doing cell animation and then after that i f- I found them again, and now they were sixteen year old and one of them interned in my in my studio, and then she graduated from college and they were you know we now and then they we you know we 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 see each other we saw each other and everything and then one of them was about to get married she she just had a beautiful photo shoot she was about to get married, she finished school she well, wow. a uh, Zumba teacher uh, and, a, and a speech therapy teacher, that's how she graduated from Fordham. And she passed away in her sleep uh, of an epileptic seizure. And that's the moment, you know, the really, it makes me feel so powerless, you know, time, the, you know, time and, and circumstances, you know, you're one day here and the other day you're not. So, that was the turning point as an artist as a human being as a mother and as a teacher on what what I'm going to do with my feelings and is my art going to reflect that feeling and that's the moment that I decided to start again
0: are you still teaching today
2: hmm, not yet because I'm I'm teaching zumba but it's one hour I am uh in a week it, that is my instant gratification. Okay, this is a slow process, and I need some, uh, you know, release. That's my release. Puppet making not yet until I finish this, and I have two more uh, projects that I'm working on. This one, which is going to take longer, and another short film. So I'm focusing on this, not not teaching yet.
0: You have this wonderful fantasy world in the basement of your house here in the Bronx. So amazing, Alba.
2: Thank you so much. I know it's full of stuff, and w- well, we have to, you know, it cannot be more tidy, but there is there, the set, the lights, the, all the other props and sets that we are going to use in the following months. So soon this will be nice and tidy, but now it's just working mode. <laughs>
0: Is there anything else about your art or about your dolls that you would want to add that we didn't talk about?
2: Hmm. I think you know, uh, for young women and men that are into the arts, and you know, one thing that I'm noticing uh, is that people give up too easily. We need to teach the next generation that you have to continue what you love. Guillermo del Toro, we I met him in France and we were talking about a uh, stop motion because Guillermo del Toro was working on a stop motion prior making movies. And he was doing a stop motion and somebody he he went home and he came back and somebody entered the place where he was animating and uh destroyed everything and they uh, robbed all the cameras you know they they completely uh, took everything away. So that could, you know, that could render Guillermo del Toro like, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. No, he continued. He continued, and then after that was Hellboy, and, you know, Passive Cliff and now Shape of Water. So he never gave up. And, and he said, Alba, I, I love your work and everything. And I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and I'm just a little, you know, a little artist in the Bronx in a basement. And he can recognize the work that we do, and, and not only those; there are major companies too, like um, Leica, Arman. Arman is releasing a new film now, the Early Man, is claymation, and Leica and Wes Anderson. I was invited to the studio in England. They are releasing uh, I Love Dogs, which is another stop-motion animation. It's very interesting. So, I I. I received all this love from animators that work in these films and the directors that are working in these films too. And that keep me going because I recognize that we work hard. But the thing is, we are not a big company. We are a small company that can be creative. A big company sometimes cannot be as creative because you know, they have producers that change the story. And we can maintain that integrity in the story here.
0: Are you online? Is there a website where people can check out your work?
2: Yes, uh, www.fantasiation.com. And also, you know, if, if people want to uh, send me a message or something, it's there too. And you can see the awards, the process also. We have videos there so people can see the process and the how do we, did we make time-space reflections. And the new film we have also Um, moments that, you know, pictures that people can see how we did it or how we're making it.
0: And are you still taking custom orders for dolls?
2: That would be a possibility. Yeah, for that, yes, because I need to fund the film. So I can make that too. So, you know, people can come, you know, they can send me a message and we can talk about it for big events. I will say like a wedding or a Swiss (laughs) thing.
0: Oh, but thanks so much.
2: Thank you so much for coming here. And, and allow me to to show everybody about what we do here, because it's not easy promoting.
0: Alba Garcia is a stop-motion animator and doll maker. She lives in the Bronx. Oh, you beautiful doll. Now on to a doll maker who promotes real-world diversity in his dolls. Robert Tonner is known for making the first transgender doll. His company, Tonner Dolls, is based in Kingston, New York. Robert joins me now on the phone. Robert, thanks so much for taking the time.
1: My pleasure, George.
0: So first of all, what inspired you to open a doll company?
1: Oh, I don't think you have that much time. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of an odd sort of mix of things. Um, I I went to school for fashion illustration. Couldn't do that because I was bumped out of the class. It's a long story, but I went into fashion design and actually did that for 15 years. As a hobby, I was doing sculpting, and I did figurative sculpting, like you know, people and stuff like that. So uh, when I went to start a business, I thought "Mm, I could mix my sculpting with the fashion design, and you have a doll.
0: What was the first doll that you created?
1: Uh, it was a little girl doll that I made out of porcelain. And I, uh, one of the reasons I could, felt like I could start my business was I could make porcelain. In other words, I could mass produce, but I could do it by myself in my garage. So, And that's how I started.
0: How many types of dolls is Tonner putting out now?
1: Oh, hundreds hundreds. We I mean we have over the years I'm 26 27 years in the business and yeah we have hundreds. Um, we do um, action figures, we do what we call character figures which are based on movies and you know television stuff. Uh, we do you know toys, we do you know little girl dolls, fashion dolls, you know. And you know we've done about everything over the years.
0: Not too long ago you created the transgender doll
1: Yes, yes. Every once in a while, (laughs) we do something that kind of rocks our world, yes.
0: This is the Jazz Jennings doll based on a real person. Yes. Tell us about
1: that. Well, that was, you know, I I, uh, had, I first saw Jazz when she was like five years old on a Barbara Walters special. And I was kind of, you know, I I really have to tell you, I didn't think very much about, you know, the transgender issues or the community. But when I watched that show, I realized, whoa, this uh, this, this is not a little boy dressing up. This is a little girl. And this is a birth defect. I mean, that's how I saw it. I thought this is a birth defect. And and that's when I sort of really got it. So I kind of followed her through the news and all that kind of stuff over the years. And you know, she she got a television show. Um, I think it's called I Am Jazz, and uh, it's running. It's still running. I think they're in the third season. Uh, and you know, I, I uh, contacted her parents because she not only is she kind of a pioneer because I think she was one of the youngest um, kids identified as transgender. I think she was five or something like that. But she's, she's also an advocate, she's an entrepreneur, she's, um, she's a, an author, and all this, and she's only like 16 or 17. So, you know, she was named one of Time Magazine's uh, most influential teens a couple of years in a row. So, I mean, this is a, a cool kid, and she's pretty, and uh, I thought this, this could make a cool doll.
0: Your company also created a plus sized doll. So how important is it for you that your dolls reflect real life like that?
1: Well, I, I think it's very – I have a small business, and I, I'm the, the designer, so I can kind of do what I want. And uh, I like I like going where nobody else has gone before. <laughs> so we, yeah, it was uh, the, the, those kind of, those things are kind of fun. It's like representing thing, uh, people and and uh, you know body types and whatever that haven't been represented in doll form. So it, it's been fun. We also did the uh, uh, Carmen Delorafiche, and she's the oldest working model. I mean, she's been working from the 40s. She's still working, and she's 80, I think 85 now. And that was quite fun to do.
0: I read an article, Robert, in which you were quoted as saying dolls get blamed for everything. What did you mean by that?
1: Oh, it's You know, it's it's like um, eating issues and, uh, you know, like Barbie. Poor Barbie has been <laughs> – she's been blamed for so much over the years. But to me, I see it as, you know, um, a doll's reflection of what's going on. It's a reflection of fashion. It's a refec- reflection of the culture. I mean, in the 40s, you know, 30s and 40s and 50s, you had you had a lot of baby dolls because it was all about nurturing and, and teaching little girls to be mothers. But, you know, the, um uh, the girls in the late '50s, you know, kind of put all that aside, and they went to went, went to Barbie, and, and the dolls got to be more grown up. And fashion dolls have become more popular. And then you get into brats which, you know, it's a cultural diversity, and you know, it just it just keeps. I see it as a reflection. I don't think it's it's the cause. It's more of a reflection of what's going on.
0: A long list of well-known designers have actually clothed your dolls, right?
1: Oh yeah, we've had everybody <laughs> <laughs> over the years, such yeah, as. Yeah. Uh, that's. I mean, we, usually we do those kind of things for charity events. Uh-huh. Um, we did a big one in in the '90s, where I mean, we had everybody. I mean, like every major designer dressed. Uh, Mark Jacobs, Ralph Lauren. Yep, yeah, um, you know, European designer. We did it in Europe too, and they did it. So we, you know, uh, yeah, it's a, that's been quite an honor.
0: Where do you see the doll making industry going in the
1: future? <laughs> Boy. <laughs> if you have any ideas let me know. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know I I think it, dolls are forever and I, I think you know technology and all that kind of stuff is where, where kids are paying attention to now but you know dolls still sell. I think that there's still I mean we we do collectible dolls mostly. Uh, so that's for the adult collectors. So it, it's kind of an action I mean one of our biggest ones is Wonder Woman. So people still like to have uh three-dimensional representations of their favorite characters and all that so i I don't think that that's going away um the future of it though i think um you know technology is going to you know like you'll have little robot doll sort of things happening eventually i I think that's where it's going to go
0: which doll in your collection is your favorite
1: it's usually the one i'm working on now now <laughs> i mentioned wonder woman wonder yeah. woman is hands down my favorite uh for a long time she's uh uh it's a, it's a portrait of uh, gal gadot and i think we've nailed the um you know the costume and all that we've used real metal parts and real you know it's beautifully sculpted and you know so yeah, that's my favorite talk to me in 6 months and i'll have the. <laughs> it'll be the next one i'm working on
0: And on that note, Robert, we are going to cue the Wonder Woman theme. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me.
1: My pleasure. Thanks, George.
0: Robert Tonner is the owner of Tonner Dolls. You can see some of his designs for yourself at tonnerdolls.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. My thanks to producer Caroline Rotante. My name is George Boldarke. Thank you so much for listening.